For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Welcome to Turning Point. How do you define worship? Is it the songs you sing in church? The time you spend in prayer? Is worship commanded or optional? Today, Dr. David Jeremiah begins the series, My Heart's Desire, to address the questions like these and help you develop a deeper walk with God through more authentic worship. Here's David to share his message, The Importance of Worship. And thank you so much for joining us today. As we begin a new month together, we begin a new series together. And uh, this series is about something that, for reasons I will never understand, has become one of the most controversial subjects in the church today. And that subject is worship. Actually, there's a term that was coined because of that called the worship wars. And... um, It's hard to imagine that something so close to the heart of our Lord could become an issue of such division among his people. But I guess if you look at it from the standpoint of the enemy of our souls, it makes a lot of sense. Well, I hope we can get some clarity as we move through this month. The title of the series is My Heart's Desire. It's based on a book that I wrote, and the subtitle is Living Every Moment in the Wonder of Worship. In just a few moments, we'll begin with the first message entitled, The Importance of Worship. During this month, we have a a special offer that we always have, our resource for the month. And uh, this month, it is the 2023 Turning Point Calendar called Moving Mountains. I always have to take a moment and explain why we are offering a calendar in the month of September because it doesn't seem to fit into any context that would make that reasonable. But we do it in September because with the mail issues that we've run into over these last few years, if we wait until October or November, we run into the issues of people not getting the calendar in time, and it's a 14-month calendar. In other words, it starts in November and carries you through the next year. We want you to have the calendar in time so you can utilize it in the year that's coming. So we moved the opportunity for you to get that calendar back to September. And I want you to know it's a beautiful, beautiful calendar, Uh, one of our best, and one that you'll want to have present in your office or in your home. So when you send a gift during the month of September of any size, simply ask for the Moving Mountains calendar. And we'll send it to you right away. Well, I'm anxious to get started with this series, so let's begin with the importance of worship. Well, I need to tell you that the Lord has been doing a work in my own heart about the priority of worship in the church. I have discovered that for many today, the whole subject is an enigma. As I read the literature on worship, I am overwhelmed to discover how many of the people that I have grown to respect over the years have struggled with this subject as deeply as I have. 
if I were the devil and I were trying to subvert the work of God and his church, I would confuse the church on the subject of worship and I had my job half done. Today, there are so many different ideas about worship that just to mention the word sends different signals into the minds of people. One of the things that is important as you begin any study is to qualify the purpose of it. And if I am seated where you are, I am asking a major question in my own spirit, and that is, do I really need this? Is this something that I should be concerned about? I'll come the first time, but I'm not really sure this has anything to do with me. You see, a lot of Christian people believe worship is optional. I've had them describe it to me like this. They categorize churches. Oh, that's a fellowship church, or that church is a music church, or that church is an evangelism church, that church is an exposition church, and that church is a worship church, as if worship were an option. Well, I want to take the few moments that I have in the time allotted to me and remind you of some of the things the Word of God says about the priority and importance of worship. And I trust that if you will listen to me with your heart, you will have within your heart a deep desire to know more about what the Bible says concerning worship and to begin to learn how we can more adequately and more correctly and more biblically offer our worship to God because I am absolutely convinced that it is the highest priority in God's Word. Let me see if I could bring to the table some lines of proof. First of all, worship is a priority because it is the priority commandment of God. Back in the book of Exodus in the 20th chapter, when God gave to Moses the commandments that were to guide his people throughout the economy of the law, he was not into commandment number one before he had identified clearly that the worship of the Lord God was the number one concern. Commandment number one, Exodus chapter 20, reads like this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God says before we go any further, before we get to commandment 2, 3, and 4, let me establish right up front that my greatest concern is that you understand the importance of worship. When Jesus was asked in the New Testament, what is the greatest commandment? He never flinched. He said, quoting the book of Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Jesus said, the great commandment in the word of God is to love and worship God. In the priority list of our creator God, worship is number one. When you begin to read the scriptures and you study the Old Testament, you cannot read far before you begin to understand that it was not only the priority commandment, but it was the pattern of observance by all of the people of the Old Testament scriptures. There are many lines of proof which we could mention, but let me just cite one. I'm interested especially to observe that the Lord 
also built a worship center. He was the first worship center builder that I know about. And he had to build a worship center that was different than ours. His worship center had to be built in such a way that it could be moved from one place to another. And we, of course, know that as the tabernacle. And when it was time for the Lord to build his worship center in order that his people would know how important it was to him and how crucial was every aspect of it, he gave them instruction in the book of Leviticus and he took seven full chapters to disclose his desire, 243 verses of scripture to make sure the worship center was built right. As opposed to 31 verses in the Old Testament that give us the story of creation. And of course, you know that does not by any means degrade nor diminish the importance of creation, but it does make the point that God was concerned about his people and their worship. If you look at the way the worship center was laid out and the plan of the people, you see literally a picture of its priority. The tabernacle, which was where the worship took place, was placed in the very center of the encampment of God's people. Next to the tabernacle were the priests who offered service in the tabernacle. And next to them were the Levites who were involved in the service of the people. And then all around them were the people of God. And if you look at a diagram of that in a Bible dictionary or a Bible handbook, you literally see that at the center of God's plan for his people was that they worship him. It is the pattern of the Old Testament. And when you turn the pages to the New Testament and you begin to observe God's people under the New Testament economy, you see that nothing has changed. If we had time to survey all of the places in the New Testament where worship is mentioned, we would not have time to do anything else. But let's just take one book of the New Testament and turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew. And notice that you are barely inside the cover of the book of Matthew. Jesus has been born. And in Matthew 2.11, we're told that the three wise men came from the east and they brought their treasures. And the scripture says that they worshiped the Lord. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2. And in the eighth chapter, in the second verse, we are told of a leper who approaches Jesus. And the scripture says, and behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Turn to the next chapter, chapter 9 and verse 18, and there you meet a certain ruler who came to Jesus. And the scripture simply says, that ruler worshiped him. Go on over to chapter 14 to a very familiar story of Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples are frightened. And Jesus calms the seas and then he calms his disciples. And in verse 33 of Matthew 14 we're told that those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, You are certainly God's son. Go to chapter 15 and verse 25. And there you read of a woman from Canaan who worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. In Matthew 28 and verse 17, our Lord is in his final days on this earth. And we're told in Matthew 28, 17, that he went into a mountain with his disciples. And we read, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now just in one small book of the New Testament, we have the consistent pattern that wherever Jesus was, he was known as the Son of God. 
men and women worshipped the Lord. It was the pattern and practice of the New Testament. But then worship is not only the priority commandment from God in the pattern of the Old Testament and the practice of the New Testament, but worship is also our primary responsibility before God. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms, David is writing, Psalm 27 and verse 4, this is what David says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire or to meditate in his temple. David, the king, the soldier, the poet, the great national statesman, the man who touches our lives perhaps in more places than any other man of the Bible. David says, as I sort out all of the things that are open to me, there is just one thing, and that one thing is that I may worship God. You come to the New Testament and you meet Paul. Paul's at the end of his life, and in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul is speaking and he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. For Paul, there was only one theme, and that theme was to know and worship the Lord. May I say to you that one of the things the Lord has been teaching me as I have studied and prepared for this series of messages is this, that worship needs to be in the center of all that we do. It cannot be peripheral. It cannot be an addendum, it has to be the center of all that we do. If it is not, we are not functioning as a New Testament church. Yes, we need to witness. Yes, we need to work. Yes, the Word of God is important, and you all know that I believe that. But until worship is where it needs to be, all of these other things will be a struggle, and they will not flow as they ought to from our worship of the Lord. Let me suggest to you Number five, that worship is not only important because it is the priority commandment from God and the pattern of the Old Testament and the practice of the New Testament and our primary responsibility before God, but listen to this now. Worship is the place where God is at home. I believe this with all my heart. Worship is the place where God is at home. Let me read to you a scripture. It is in the book of Psalm Psalm 22, verse 3, and this is what it says. Thou, O God, art holy. Thou that inhabitest the praises of your people, Israel. Just let me cut out of that verse this phrase. God inhabits the praise and worship of his people. God lives in the midst of our praise. In other words, when God is praised and worshipped, then we see him in his natural environment, and there he is at home. You say, is God ever any more present with us at one time than it? Absolutely not. He is always everywhere, but he is not always manifest everywhere. And his manifest presence comes to us when he is praised. Somebody gave me a copy of a little book by C.S. Lewis called Reflections on the Psalms. I have utmost respect for C.S. Lewis. He opened all of this up for me. Listen to what he said. And if you listen carefully, you will find your own heart identifying some with him. C.S. Lewis wrote, When I first began to draw near in my belief of God, and even after I had become a Christian, 
I found a stumbling block. And that stumbling block was the demand so clamorously made by all religious people that we should praise God. He said, we all despise the man who demands constant assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, or delightfulness. We despise still more the crowd of people who surrounds every dictator, every millionaire, every celebrity, and they are there simply to gratify the demands of these people. So he said, when I got that picture, it was at once ludicrous and horrible, both of God and of his worshipers. He said it just about destroyed my striving after the Lord. He said the Psalms were particularly hard for me. I read in the Psalms, oh, praise the Lord with me, praise him. It was hideously like saying, what I want most is to be told that I am good and great. And C.S. Lewis said, that doesn't sound like that could be God. And he says, it sounds like it's not only that we praise God, but that quantity counts. Seven times a day will I praise thee, says one psalmist. Then he said he tried to sort it all out, and finally he came to this conclusion and listened to what he observed. He said, finally I saw that it is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to men. Even in Judaism, wrote C.S. Lewis, the essence of the sacrifice was not really that men give bulls and goats to God, but that in so doing, God gives himself to men. End of quote. And that explains why in circles where worship and praise is as it ought to be, so many things happen. That's why when God is worshiped, you find your own heart quickened and your spirit sensitive to the presence of God in your midst. I need to add to this fifth reason a sixth. And that is worship is important because it is the prerequisite to effective service. What is more important, to worship God or to serve God? Well, by virtue of what we do in our churches and by our recruiting wars, you would think that the real important thing is to serve God. I've actually heard people preach that you can tell a person's heart by whether or not he is serving the Lord. And as important as service is, as critical as it is to all that we're doing, Maybe we have got it out of phase just a bit. Let me illustrate. When the Lord was taken out into the wilderness by the devil, and the devil said to the Lord, if you will fall down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms. The Lord answered him and said to him, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. God said, let me give you the priorities here. I understand that whoever you worship, you serve. So make sure that you always worship first because when you worship, then service will follow. Here's one of the most positive things, and that is that worship is number seven, the panacea for discouragement. Did you know that? Of course, nobody ever gets discouraged in this place but the pastor, but I'll throw it out for you just so that if you happen to ever get discouraged, you will know what to do. Did you know that worship is something God uses in the lives of his people to help them in their own discouragement. Now, I haven't time to detail this whole situation, but in Isaiah chapter 61, in these prophetic words, we are told that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, Isaiah writes. And then there's a whole list of things that the Lord is telling him. And 
At the end of that section of scripture, we read these words. That God is going to give the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. One translation says the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. How many would make the trade of garment of praise for the spirit of despair? Is that a good trade? Is that a good deal? It sure is, isn't it? And here's what the scripture says, that you cannot be totally occupied with your own despair and totally occupied with the worthiness of God so that when your heart is caught up in the worship of God, it does something to you inwardly that dispels the spirit of heaviness that can sometimes hang over you like a cloud. Is that what happened to Paul and Silas when they were in prison at midnight with their backs all cut open and bleeding and their hands and feet in stocks? But at midnight, they started to praise God and they worshiped and the earthquake came and the doors were blown open and they were able to escape. Finally, worship is the passion of God. I don't know how to explain this except to say that there are times in our lives when we don't know for sure what God wants. We can't always determine the various nuances of all of the details of our life, but there are some things in the Word of God that are given to us so that we can absolutely be certain that we are doing the will of God. And let me tell you something. When you worship God, I can promise you, you are in his will. For John 4, when Jesus was conducting his interview with the woman of Samaria, he got into the subject of worship, and as he got into that subject, he made this profound statement to her. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now watch this. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. I have not really ever been able to get past that statement that God in heaven is looking to and fro throughout the earth trying to find people who will worship him. Do you know that we can be the answer to God's search? We can gratify the passion of our God to find those who will worship him. Lawrence of Arabia was in Paris after World War I, and he had some of his Arab friends with him, and he was showing them all through the city. They were looking at all the special places that you see when you go to Paris. But he noticed that his friends weren't interested in any of it. In fact, all they wanted to do was stay in the hotel room and uh, turn the faucet on in the bathtub and watch the water run out in the bathtub. Every time he'd take them out, they'd just come right back and go in the bathroom and turn on the faucet and watch the water run. When it was time for them to leave Paris, he came back to get them, and somewhere they'd got some wrenches, and they were in the bathroom trying to take the faucet out of the wall. And they said, it's very dry in Arabia, and we need faucets. If we have them, we'll have all the water we want. (laughs) And Lawrence said he had to sit them down and explain to them that the power wasn't in the faucets. It was in the vast resources that were behind them. And when I read that, I couldn't help but think that, you know, in the church, we've kind of been into faucets, haven't we? We've been enamored with the various things out there. And we go from fad to fad, depending on which seminar we've been to last And God wants us to get past the faucets to the resource. And I believe that worship will help us do that. Worship will get us past the external and into the very heart of the God 
we say we love and we serve. It's so amazing to me as I read the Bible and study it and prepare to preach from it, how often worship shows up in unlikely places, like in the middle of a war, for instance. Um, continuing worship is a tool that God has given us, and it was not meant to divide us, but to unite us and bring us before the throne of grace with the spirit of love and uh, adoration for our Lord. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about what worship really is. I think sometimes people argue over something they don't even understand. They've never really looked into worship to discover what the Bible says it's all about. We'll do that tomorrow. In the meantime, let me just uh, give you some updated information about what's happening in the month of September. As I've already told you, the resource for the month is our annual calendar. This year, it's called Moving Mountains 2023 Calendar is a 14-month presentation, including November and December of 2022. Thus, we send it out in September so that you're sure to get it in time. Ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point today. You can also get uh, My Heart's Desire from davidjeremiah.org and other materials as well. And we'll talk more about it as we move through the month. We'll see you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, My Heart's Desire, please visit our website. There you will also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of our 14-month calendar for 2023, Moving Mountains filled with inspiring scriptures and images to encourage you in your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several handsome cover options. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, My Heart's Desire, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. have faith that moves mountains? Turning Point's Moving Mountains 2023 calendar will remind you of the power of faith. With monthly scriptures and a Bible reading plan, this 14-month calendar will help you stay organized and grow in the Lord. The Moving Mountains calendar is yours with a gift of any amount to the ministry. And when you give $100 or more, we'll send you five calendars, perfect for sharing with family and friends. Go to davidjeremiah.ca. Professor McNeil Dixon, a famous British scholar, once wrote about an insect crawling around the surface of a painting. It might detect colors and texture, but little else. It could know nothing of the artist's purpose and the overall beauty of the painting. The fly's lack of understanding was not the fault of the artist or the painting, but due to the fly's limited vision, the fly's incorrect perception. We are often like that fly when it comes to God. In order to see Him for who He is, we have to have an accurate vision and perception of Him as He is revealed in the Scripture. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover who God really is on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. 
Route 66. Start your journey home today.